Hi everyone. Welcome to another episode of A New Kind of Celebrity. I'm your host Venal and I'm excited to bring you another inspiring and insightful conversation this week. At A New Kind of Celebrity, we define the word celebrity differently. We define it as someone worth celebrating. Our guests are people who are doing incredible work to make this world a better place. Join us as we celebrate these individuals and learn from their experiences, leadership and wisdom. Our guest today is Chitra Vishwanath. Chitra is an Indian architect based in Bangalore who works on themes related to ecology and architecture. She has been running her own architectural firm since 1991 and is currently the principal architect and managing director of Biome Environmental Solutions. She has been involved in more than 800 projects encompassing construction of buildings of all sizes and water harvesting and sanitation structures with specific relevance to the ecology of the sites. Biome has pioneered the usage of natural elements like earth as a construction element along with a focus on other natural elements of air and light along with water harvesting. Her own house has many interesting features like no need for air conditioning or fan. dry toilets farming on the terrace solar powered house and water harvesting that leads to 70% of their water needs listen on chitra thank you so much for joining me in this conversation i'd love if maybe you can start with telling us a little bit about yourself and what led you to this work of weaving in you know like ecology sustainability into the work that you do in architecture so would love to hear your journey yeah so the journey is nothing different from anybody else except that my father was a sculptor and he got to know about architecture as a profession as a possibility while he was studying in us for his masters in fine arts so he decided the daughter should study architecture i was very young i was just 5 years old when he thought of this so he'll talk about design and architecture and so invariably one joined architecture i didn't have anything to say against it so <sighs> this is good another reason was i wanted to get out of the very town i was staying in in banaras to be out somewhere else in a place which was a lot more open in thinking than what was banaras then and studied architecture spent 8 years in amdabad studying working and joined my husband in bangalore so this is the city where i've been there for 30 years so half of my life almost and the city which i would call as my own though we are tamilians from kerala i studied in banaras <laughs> lived in nigeria and amdabad etc etc so one traveled but if one has stayed anywhere long it's bangalore and it is this city city of bangalore which has added this dimension of building ecologically into our design i don't know if i was in some other city whether we would have taken this path so it's the city of bangalore especially then it's the people of bangalore hmm. who made this happen so there was an ecosystem here there was this wonderful people in indian institute of science the civil engineering department who were working at building with earth 
and we're experimenting. And it was just that you could walk in, see what was happening, ask questions. They were open. So when we started designing, we had their support. And I should not ever miss the fact that I married into a family of civil engineers. Hmm. So we talked construction all the time. <laughs> My husband is a civil engineer, but he's a planner. My father-in-law is a retired civil engineer and my brother-in-law is a structural engineer. And I have also studied civil engineering before I studied architecture. Then Bangalore also opened up as our economy opened up in 1990. The move away from socialism to capitalism, which happened in 1990, and uh, which allowed for people to take loans. Hmm. Otherwise, generally, people built after they have received their provident fund. Hmm. I don't even know if you know of things like provident fund. <laughs> yes, I do. But people built only then. So they're beyond 60 years and they're building. But here, suddenly it opened up. So land markets also opened up. A lot of it was being done by the government then. They will develop parcels of land in Bangalore, in Kannada, they say that namde on the site irbeku, namde on the money. That means we should have a site of our own and our own house. So the plots were of different sizes. The smallest even being about 15 feet by 40 feet. That smaller plot also. But an independent house is the aspiration of the people. So these happened. So the beginning the site prices were much lesser than construction cost. Hmm. So the beginning about eight years was more designing with lowering the cost of construction because that's how you could save money. And we were also lucky that at that time, people in South India knew a lot about how Laurie Baker was designing in Kerala. So we had to learn his philosophies apply it into the designs in Bangalore. At no time did we just take that and put it in Bangalore because the context is very different. It's 20 degrees in Bangalore. Kerala will never get 20 degrees. So the design process, the design attitude is different in the two places. But there is a philosophy, philosophy of frugality, of using less and that's what we followed. And that also helped in reducing cost. That kept going on till we built our home in 1995, where we built it with earth. The earth sourced from the very basement I'm sitting in. And that's the first time a basement was made as a livable space in Bangalore and in a small plot. So our plot is about 135 square meter or 1,500 square feet. And in that, we have a 300 square feet of a basement. We made it to get earth to build the house above. It was not enough from the foundation to get the earth. So we decided we'll build a basement. So we moved on to building with earth as we built our house. At the same time, it rained and Vishwanath, my husband, saw that how much water one can collect. So we connected the pipes into the storage tank. And there we decided water becomes an issue. Water is something which we can look at it in Bangalore. 
And it became something which is our obsession, working with water. And at the same time, now the city was not making more spaces, more layouts, what we call in Bangalore. But the private people were making. They were taking the farm plots, converting into layouts, gated layouts. But they were outside the city, they're peri-urban areas. So Mm. electricity somehow comes to these places, but water and sewerage doesn't come. And it became imperative that we look at how will the building live? And that means how will the people in the building live in the building? Are they going to be parasites taking water from elsewhere, putting their uh, waste somewhere else? Or are they going to be people who are contributing to the ecosystem they are in? So the very act of harvesting water becomes that. You're not throwing the water out. You're not mixing it with open sewage or something, but it's good water which you drink, which you use. That way, they also reduce their dependence on external sources or the bore wells. And then we also said you you can treat your water for your gardens. You have space. And why should you put good water into the garden? Use your treated sewage water. It's full of nutrient. Now, you should notice, Venil, that all this is by conversations with the people for whom we are designing. Hmm. And that's the people of Bangalore, open to Hmm. think of a new idea, to accept a new idea. They used to walk into our place and just say, yeah, if the architect is living like this, why can't we? And in all this, I was lucky to have started working alongside few engineers who had just passed out too. And so they had the full enthusiasm of construction, but not enough knowledge. So everything had to be happening at the site. It was quite a heady time, you know, like you go 30 kilometers and bring a brick and check it and, ah, this is a great brick. Or you make a small arch and get very excited. So every day was exciting because you did something and you're learning. We became a team all the time, me designing them, constructing First, they were a group, they separated, they became four from one group, and we had, one had to keep all of them busy. And as one spent a lot of time at the site, you knew everybody, you knew the masons, you knew the floor layer as good friends, okay, as people you depend upon, and they depend upon you too. So it became a good partnership where I had to get work all the time to keep everybody busy. (laughs) And we used to be extremely excited with it. And I used to cook my basic rudimentary dinner of rice and sambar and ideally just have a lot of beer and then sit and discuss designs till 11 in the night, like that. So this was an architect who didn't come with just a paper design, but could also bring people along with. I could also give estimates, how much it would cost, because you're doing something which is not there in the normal business as usual. So one had to give how much it would cost to you, stuff like that. And I think that somehow struck the chord with the people in Bangalore and they were happy to work with us. So I've had most of the time problem of plenty, a lot of work, a lot of things you kept doing. So by now, Biome, the office has almost designed about 700 buildings in Bangalore itself, plus now 
elsewhere, but no, look at the city. Hmm. So it's a city, Venil, it's a city and the father hmm. and then the family completely. Great. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it's interesting to hear how the city sort of and the people influence and the conversations like you mentioned. I know as I was reading your website and you mentioned as well how earth and using mud for your own home. And then I was reading it like it's an important part of a lot of the constructions. Where did that come from? It seemed like it came from the first time when you all built your own home. But maybe you can share a little bit more of how did that come out to be such a key component? Yeah, so... We bought this plot of land. We came one day to see it and we saw a neighbor constructing and there was this lovely earth there. And that's when we decided we'll make a basement. Right. It was not there in the design in the beginning. So we did that. And then we became so used to it. And we started enjoying the material. And then what happens with designing, it's also a research. Hmm. So there was research being done in, in the Institute of Science, we also were seeing works in Oroville, Pondicherry. But how will all this fit in the city? Hmm. And how do you talk to people that this is the ideal material for building? And that has to be not by, you know, giving some scientific papers and stuff. There will be some people who will ask those issues of like, what is the embodied energy and stuff like that. But Common people want to feel good in it. Right. So design is important. And then you get very good with that. Hmm. Then you keep working at it. Then you notice that one basement can give earth enough for three homes. Hmm. And then you start developing a narrative with the idea of earth. It's something which is below your feet, which you're going to use. And there is no biological activity in that earth. So why do you leave it below? You make a basement, which is 22 degrees centigrade throughout the year. And you can never make a basement later. So we have now basements with gardens and wells and stuff like that. And then we did a school in Coimbatore where you're not allowed to do a basement. So then you cut the whole play area also along with the underground. And you get so much earth that you build this 30,000 square feet of construction and the compound walls, everything from the material you've got. And you compare it with other materials. South, at least, we have lots of various materials. But look at bricks. They're made in agriculture land and that land is not usable. And you have to use lots of cement and plaster and paint. All of them are not great for the environment. Concrete blocks, similar. Earlier, they used to use sand. Now they're using quarry dust. And here is something which is made at your own plot. You can make it at your own plot. And it's made by people, teams. So we're also looking at how in India, 90% of the economy is informal economy. Right. Yep. If you make 10 buildings with earth, you have 50 people employed who are making only blocks. And if you're talking to them, you understand that this has helped them. They come to you and say, now my son is studying in engineering college. My daughter got married and I gave her so much of gold. You see, and making of blocks is not detrimental to health. But it's not like painting where you've heard that if you're in a closed room and it's painted, that people have fainted. Mm. And none of these things would happen. And you push the design to make it more ecological in terms of natural light and ventilation. So it just is so much more versatile. The walls can be of any thicknesses, whereas 
if you had stone, there is this thickness, or if your bricks is just this thickness. I can make various thickness of walls. I can make various strengths of walls. And it can be earth blocks, it can be adobes, it can be rammed earth, it can be poured earth. So there are all this choice with just this one material. And it's coming from your own city. Hmm. You're not bringing it from elsewhere. It's from your own land you're making that. So that all, you become obsessed and you start liking it and you don't want to part with it. Right. Does it answer? Yes, yes, it definitely does. And I remember as I was reading about especially your home, right? And I I think in the headline itself, it it was like how through all the rainwater harvestings, one lakh liters of water a year is something that you all are saving. And I remember that really standing out to me, especially because being uh, staying in Bombay, like floods are common. And we know that's true for many metros in India and now actually across the world as well. And every time it rains, this occurs to me on like, why don't we have more rainwater harvesting in societies, etc. So given that I know you mentioned that it's something that you're really like passionate about now, would love if you can maybe just throw a little bit more light on why it may not be as commonly used otherwise and how you all sort of incorporate it into the constructions. Yeah, so when we started, people really couldn't Imagine that there's something like this works. But, you know, when you're making your own house, first of all, when an architect and the engineer's house cannot be an object, it has to be a lab. So our house is a laboratory where we try things. Besides that, my husband's pretty good at talking to the other players, like the bureaucrats and the politicians and talking about water. So, he decided the bylaws of Bangalore on rainwater harvesting. So now it comes into the bylaws. Hmm. You have to harvest your water. Then now we're working with some hundreds of well diggers making wells in Bangalore. Hmm. So what he says is, if you put a bore well, it's like from a straw drinking your soda. But now if the straw is used to put the liquid back, and that's what if you make wells in Bangalore would do, mm-hmm. help the water be in the ground and add it to the aquifer. You get more water in the city. Besides this, like in architecture, we're all the time looking at how these skills, well digging is not easy if you have to do it just by human labor. And in fact, you can't really do it with a machine. Mm-hmm. It doesn't dig what we need, seven meters below. It doesn't do that. You need people to do it. And that's an art. And besides art, it's a science. And these people know where to dig, how to dig, how to manage various soils. And they don't have jobs. So if we say we need million wells in Bangalore, we hope to have also 300 people employed Hmm. doing this. And in all this, it's doing good to the city. It's reducing its urban flooding. Mumbai needs to put a lot of wells. The Gautans always had wells, but we've been covering them up. We don't do that. And if you do that, you will have less of the flooding, surely. Right. Thank you for sharing that. And I know you've mentioned Bangalore as a city being, and the people obviously being an influence. So just curious, do you feel like 
I mean, I know you already shared that it's played a large role in in people accepting this, right? So when you think about other cities, is the reason that maybe it's not happening as much in other places? Do you feel there's something to do with either the availability of land, more independent houses being there, or the weather of Bangalore, or are there other things that you feel enable it to happen more in Bangalore, or do you just feel like it's about finding the right people and the right advocates for these things? Yeah, it is what you said, right? Advocates for these things. We've designed in Chennai, we've designed in Bhopal, and in Delhi. But it's not the same. It's not that in Delhi you are not building one's own house. But that's a different kind of people. They think of things differently. But there are other architects doing pretty good works there too. But Bangalore is a different city. So you see only me because. I, We've practiced for 30 years, but there are at least 250 architects in Bangalore who are building with Earth. Hmm. Now in Bangalore, we would have 10,000 structures of built with Earth and doing rainwater harvesting anyways. Everybody has to do because it's a law. So it's going to say how many buildings. And that is the largest number of contemporary Earth homes in anywhere in the world. Wow. No other city in the world has so many. So we have to be proud of it, that we Bangaloreans are also a little diffident, shy. We don't talk about it, but I don't want to not talk about it. So we started 25 years as our house, but now there are 250 architects building. Right. A manufacturer who makes blocks is saying there are 50 homes happening at a time. Hmm. Nice. So it is the city too. Right. It's not that easy hmm. anywhere else. Right, because I know when I was thinking about rainwater harvesting, I remember looking up, are there already some, you know, uh, laws in place or some guidelines in place? Because, you know, otherwise the I'm part of this group on change.org, so I thought maybe make a petition. And then I saw that actually societies in Bombay also are supposed to have rainwater harvesting if they're beyond a certain size, etc. But I've not seen it in my vicinity, in whatever areas I've been in on whatever I'm aware of. So I think it is the people who choose to follow that law or not. So yeah, I think there is something to do with that, though it would be great to understand what so we can replicate it. Uh, But I think just trying to understand, given that a large population of folk now in urban areas live in apartments and not independent houses, have homes that are maybe already built out and there's not as many maybe uh, structural changes that they can do. I know as an architect, obviously your job is the starting of it. But is there any like suggestions or thoughts of how people can, within a space that they have, also build in some of these elements? Yeah, yeah. So biome is not only architecture. The one part of biome works only on water. Hmm. And that's headed by Shubha and my husband. And they advise, so we've been advising to industries, to apartments and other places, how you can do rainwater harvesting, how you can treat wastewater. If these two are taken care of, a lot of the environment is saved. Hmm. But water can be addressed even in the built structures and how. Hmm. So here what happens when it's not exactly always rainwater, it will be more looking at your wastewater. Okay. Because that, you will have a bath every day. In Mumbai, Hmm. maybe twice a day. So you're going to be generating wastewater quite a bit. And instead of it going away, waste, it can be reused. Hmm. 
And then in a city or in a community space, how it can be used. Hmm. So if parks can take the wastewater and turn it into for trees and other purposes. So that's something which the other cities are picking up, learning and doing because we have done such installations in Bangalore too. Right. And you have people coming from Delhi and looking at it and probably doing it there. Nitya. Right. And I know you were mentioning just the 700 buildings and how like earth is just now there are 250 people in Bangalore using that as a material in their construction. When you think about just the impact that you've been able to have, Biome has been able to have, like what sort of stands out to you as being the biggest impact? It could be in numbers, it could be just anecdote or story as well, but would love to hear what stands out to you. Yeah, so I like the fact that it could be an anecdotal story. So there is a group which is manufacturing earth blocks. Hmm. And the two people who are the major promoters, and they come on Diwali day to give me sweets. I said, why me? I don't even, I never buy your blocks. So they said, no, because you are the one who started early and now we have so many people and they're happy to be using earth blocks for construction. It was a hair raising moment for me like, okay, that's nice. And they said, no, I don't want a business from you. I'm not coming to you that you make because we still have people in our team who make blocks. We don't hmm. buy blocks and, and we still prefer making it side because we're going to use the same material and we don't want it to take any so embodied energy of it, etc., hmm. etc. But this is no, it's just because you were an early starter hmm. that at this time I have a business because you have influenced so many people. That I like. But what other thing which I like and I'm very happy about is that these many years has given us an expertise hmm. of how to look at architecture of future. Because we worked in this field, we can talk to students to think differently. And nowadays I, I'm more and more convinced that just like self-medicating, self-architecting is bad for the health health of the environment. Mm. Do go to a professional, ask proper, proper questions and get a good design done. It's simple things. You go and see people who have self-architected and you know, if only they had put the door a meter away, would have been a different room than where they put it. You know? So it, this is what it is. Our lives are complicated. Our requirements are complicated. Climate change expects a different way of living as well as design. And that's where architects come in. So mm. it's important. Great. And I know as I was reading that article about your home, I think we covered some of the rainwater harvesting, the earth. I know also just, I was reading that in terms of just also temperature, there's no like air conditioning um, and it's yeah. like summer, winter, like it's set up in that way. So I'd love maybe if you can talk a little bit about any one project. It could also be your home or any other project that you've done. Just so everyone listening can sort of visualize all the different elements. We've spoken about a couple in detail, but just to understand the totality. And I think you brushed upon like the ventilation and light. So maybe just one project, if you can paint that picture for us. Yeah, so I'll talk about our house first. So it began from the basement and then it grew. As it grew, 
It has a small living room and a kitchen and a dining space. Now it has a dining table because I brought it from my parents. But then when we went into our bedrooms, we noticed that we could make it higher. Mostly in all the homes, the rooms are three meter high. Ours are about five meters high, tall rooms. Hmm. And we've put in a mezzanine in between. So it's a small land, but from the area we get double the volume because of the mezzanines. Now, what do these mezzanines do? They're the best places to sleep in winter because they're warmer. And what do the lower spaces do? They're the best places to be in when it is warmer. When it's 30 degree in Bangalore, it goes up to 35. We all complain it's very hot. Okay. So, but then it goes down to 17 and we complain it's very <laughs> cold. So that's what it does. Then you have to have light. How do you get light? In Bangalore, you get light from the top more than from windows. You do that. So you have lots of skylights or large windows which bring in light. And the house is open. So you enter the living room, you see the end of the house. But you can't find where the bedrooms are till you really go there. The kitchen is an open kitchen. I decided I'll never have a closed kitchen because I can't hear what's happening in the living room. And this open kitchen, nowadays I don't cook. My cook cooks, but he's also there. In fact, it's so nice because now he knows how to show the house, even if we are not there. He will talk about basement and <laughs> rainwater harvesting and also dry toilet. So now we come to the terrace. The terraces are really boring places in most of the homes. But on our terrace, we grow rice. So what are we doing? We're saying not only you're looking after your water, your wastewater, your waste, but also food. And it's a place which has four lemon trees, two avocados, which are not fruiting at all for past five years, but they're there. Then there is other plants. And there is what I say as my field, my rice field, which is a small one, which is just about... Um, 15 or 20 feet by 8 feet of space, but we grow rice. We treat our wastewater on our terrace and use it to grow rice and to flush below. We have a dry toilet. A dry toilet is where you don't use water to flush. In fact, you have no flush. So you collect your fecal matter and your urine and use the urine as the fertilizer. It's urea. Mm. And the fecal matter, when it gets composted, is as soil. So what all this is doing, because we are working in our own house doing these in a city, mm. it's not in a farm, it's not in a gated community where you have lots of space available, it's not a rich person's house, it's a middle-class home, all this is possible. Mm. And so what it gives us is that we can talk to a client that this is possible, you can do it too. And they've done better. The people who grow a lot of vegetables, the people who have biogas on their terraces, they go one step ahead of us and they <laughs> work a lot more than we do. And we are able to teach too. So whether I'm talking to my students in different schools of architecture or my husband's talking about water to his students, it's all possible because we live it. Hmm. So that's our house. But then it's not the same thing in all the buildings we do. We as architects, as my colleague Vidushi calls, we have to be agile. Cognitive agility is important for us. 
So there was a project which came. They came and said, we want a school, a preschool, but the land is on a lease. It's there just for five years. And we have this much budget and we need this much space. So they were very clear on that. We could have just said, okay, we decide and we don't care what happens to the building later after five years. But we put in a rider that, okay, we'll design it as a building which can be completely reused later. Because if you break the building behind you, mm. it will be a lot of what we call as construction debris. But can we make a building which will not generate waste, but it will generate material for you to build somewhere else? So this building is a place school called Atelier. And it's been made in such a way that if they get the same size of plot somewhere, they can open it completely. And this is about 10,000 square feet of a building, oh, not wow. a small little tiny house. Okay. Take it apart and take it and put it together again. Wow. Or if they don't and they give it away, somebody will either use the inside or can again take it apart and sell each portion and can be reused. So there will be no waste. No waste, including the floor. The floor is just paving blocks on what we call as quarry dust here. So even the bedding material can be reused. Nothing goes as a waste. They're looking at a built structure as quarry of the future. Because mm. we are on this one earth. It's a limited planet. No more can we be like conquerors no? who went about pillaging for themselves. How much of London is built with American wood or you know, how the Manchester mills survived on what went from India. Things have happened, but there's no more like that. We can't be lamenting what happened in the past. We have to look at the future. And when we have to do that, we can't be bringing material. Right now, materials come from China and Australia and Brazil. But how much can we start seeing that what we have is reused? So it is this project, Atelier. It's another house, which we have to bring down because the family changed and the insides had, didn't have good light and ventilation. There was a possibility now with new design that they could have. So instead of one house, it became three small homes with much better light and air. But most of the material came from that old house itself, mm. including broken concrete was used in foundation. So this is the future. You look at the city itself as providing materials, resources to build. And look at the buildings itself being future resource. And again, it's Bangalore. <laughs> but it can happen elsewhere too. But nothing like Bangalore. <laughs> That's great to hear. Yeah, I think maybe we can spend some time on unpacking what are the reasons so that we can replicate it elsewhere. But I think amazing to hear that a 10,000 square feet construction can be sort of like, you know, I'm visualizing like paper, like unpacking, but it's just amazing to see that all of that can be reused. Yeah, yeah. it has paper walls, by the way. Oh. Yeah, with paper tubes. Oh, the wow. divisions are made with paper tubes. Yeah, it's a place cool. It's nice to touch walls, which are not wow. straight edged. They're softer. So they're curved. Wow, that's I really want to visit now and see it. I have one like sort of final closing question. But before that, I would love to hear, is there something on your mind that you'd love for us to cover, talk about, or would you like to share more about before we go into the closing question? 
Um, there's one. We are about 25 people in the office. And during the first lockdown, it was quite difficult. Everything closed. And uh, what should we be doing? We had already started thinking about a book of bio because we, were, hmm. we have almost 30 years of practice. And we decided it will be all done by the people in the office. So we've come up with a book which is called The Biome Diaries. And unlike the usual architecture books, which are thick, fat, heavy to carry and open, and they have to be on a table to be open. These are thin, small, bright pink in color, and which can go in a handbag. We talk about uh, the now, what's happening in the office, the then, that was the beginning of the practice, and then the emergence, which talks about what is our future ideas? What could we look at as future? So I think I would really like to talk about it. I've been tweeting about it. It will be out by the first week of December. Oh, that's exciting. Congratulations. So um, Chitra, I'd love if maybe you can just share just from all of your work uh, across the past 30 years and in general, living your work literally, what is some advice you have to share for people? This could be very specific to sustainability or ecological living, or it could be just general things that you would love to share with other people. But for people listening, what are some learnings or advice you'd like to share? Oh, that's that's a lot. I'd really like to share this. Climate change is real. It's not something you can wish away. And it's going to affect all of us. It's going to affect us all in different ways. And one insidious way it's going to affect is the way it's going to start dividing people. Hmm. Because all this, the way we are dividing people is happening because there are limited resources. We want to catch them on. But that is not going to help. That is not the future. The future is of sharing. And that sharing will only happen if you decide that you have enough. What we are right now doing is that we're grabbing, but that will not be enough. Even if you have all of it, it will not look after your child or your grandchild because you don't have the best air. You have everything, but if you can't breathe, if you have everything, but you don't have water, what's the use of it all? You can run. Some people can run away from this. But we will be on this earth, in this city. We can't go away to a different country. We can't afford. 99.999% can't afford to go away to moon or Mars. We have to be here. And we have to learn to be with everybody. I think all of you should take time off and read the philosopher Ashil Mbembe, he's from uh, Botswana, I think. Ashil Mbembe and should also be reading Dipesh Chakrabarti, a philosopher and a writer who talks about climate. And it's important that we become united for a greater good for a future, future of environment. And that's the most important. We have to live together. We can do all this. We can save water. We can build with earth. But if as people, we're not united, we're not going to go anywhere. I would just say that when I don't have anything more to say. Because that's what hurts me most. Thank you yeah. for sharing that. I think a really important message, especially in these times where 
I feel we just sometimes the divisive pieces are more visible to us in this world of social media. So thank you for sharing that. This was a really interesting conversation for me, a lot of new concepts and ideas that I'm taking away of just imagining how we can use the space and just be more cognizant, even if we're not constructing something. I think there's something I can still take away of everything that I'm using. So thank you so much for sharing that and spending this time with us. Thank you, Vanil. Thank you. And all the best to you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you liked this episode, do subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter or LinkedIn. We'd love to hear your suggestions, reactions or even guest nominations. You can DM us on Instagram. Our handle is at a new kind of celebrity or email us at a new kind of celebrity at gmail.com. We look forward to meeting you soon. Till then, good luck and take care.